1983, the Leatherman Multi-Tool made it big when it landed its first order of 500 units from the outdoor store Cabela's. The all-in-one utility knife could be used for a variety of purposes, and the original Leatherman was equipped with a knife, a metal file, a couple of screwdrivers, a can opener, and a saw, all of which were built into the handles which kind of came together to form a pair of pliers. The uses for something like this seemed endless. What if I told you that there was something just as effective and useful, but for ministry purposes? And best of all, you can start using it today. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Living Scent Podcast. I'm excited that you're joining me today. On today's episode, we're looking at your most effective ministry tool, and it's something that 99.9% of listeners already have, and they can start using today. Before we get into new content, I want to say a huge thank you to those who have rated and reviewed this podcast. The Living Scent community is continuing to grow each month, and I'm glad to hear that it's fulfilling its purpose, which is to help you live like missionaries in your households, your neighborhoods, workplaces, and cities. I mentioned in past podcasts that if I receive reviews or comments from the community, I take just a few moments to read them. So here are some of the latest. One review from Dan Wrighton said, nailed it, best 15 minutes of my day. So huge thank you to Dan Wrighton. Another came in from Talalinda who said, I love your perspective on what it means to be a missionary. You present life-changing information. Wow, thank you, Talalinda. And just as a reminder, if you find this podcast valuable, it would mean the world to me if after listening, you took just a few moments to rate and review this podcast as well. As always, I like to let our Living Scent community know that today's show notes are available right now for download, and they are always and will be always completely free. Just go to justinwester.com, that is J-U-S-T-I-N-W-E-S-T-E-R.com, navigate to the podcast tab, and you'll be able to get them right there. The show notes uh, contain a brief summary of today's episode, but they really designed to do more than that, way more than that, actually. They give you additional questions, they give you lists of resources, if you'd like to discuss this episode, you know, with your church, your small group, or your organization that you're a part of. So be sure to jump over to the website for the show notes as well. One final note before we get into new content today, my new book, my new book, Living Scent, Discovering How Everyday Habits Can Make an Eternal Difference, will be launching this fall. And for those of you who are interested in learning more about what it means to live sent every day, I am so, so excited for you and your team and your church and your small group to have access to this. It really is a quick read, it's practical, and it comes with a six-week study guide so that you and a few others can go through this book together. I'll let this podcast community know when it's available with a special episode in just a few short months. Well, let's get into it today by starting with a few questions. When you picture Jesus during his earthly ministry, where do you picture him most often? You know, is it teaching in front of massive crowds? Is it walking in the streets of first century Israel? Is it performing miracles on the outskirts of town? Like, what do you picture Jesus doing during his earthly ministry? He certainly did those things, but let me ask you this. Do you ever picture Jesus sharing a meal with people around a table? 
Consider these sayings of Jesus. These are the sayings that we often highlight in our Bibles. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Luke 5.32. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19.10. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 34, and 35. Each of these is spoken by Jesus while he is at a table sharing a meal with a group of people. Now, I have to confess, most of the time, I picture Jesus doing the extraordinary you know, wowing the crowds by casting out demons, restoring sight to the blind, healing the lame, that sort of thing. I almost never imagine him doing something so ordinary as eating and drinking with people. But when you take the Gospels as a whole, something really beautiful emerges. Jesus takes the ordinary meal, the ordinary table, the ordinary human practice of eating and drinking, and he transforms it into a divine encounter with the living God. The table, like the one you have in your house, became his ministry calling card. In Luke 15, it's said of Jesus, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So let me ask you this. What's your church most known for in the city where you live? You know, is it, is it good preaching? Is it known for really awesome music? Is it known for its great programs, that sort of thing? Or is your church known for sharing meals, for using the table as a place where people can experience the grace of God in Christ? And what are you known for in your neighborhood? Let's ask you the specific question. Are you known for having your nice manicured lawn where things are always nice and neat? Are you known for going on, you know, great vacations, for having the newest cars, the the biggest and the best toys? Or are you known for opening your home to those around you, for making room at your table for those who are far from God and desperately need him? I love what Brad Briscoe and Lance Ford write in their book, Next Door As It Is in Heaven. They say, eating and drinking with others is a constant theme throughout the biblical history of how and what Jesus did during his earthly ministry. Churches are most often found meeting. Jesus was most often found eating. If you were to bump into him on the streets of Jerusalem, he would have been more likely to invite you to a barbecue than to a Bible study. If you were to edit out all the content of the Gospels that involved Jesus eating with others, we would have very little left of what Jesus said and very little left of what Jesus did. So what's your most effective ministry tool? It's the common table. It's the common table. This is the place where relationships can grow, where conversations deepen, where commonalities are discovered, and where, if done intentionally, we can experience a taste of the kingdom of God. 
This is the second habit of living sin. It forms the E of the word sent, S-E-N-T, and it stands for eating with people like Jesus. If you are just now jumping into this podcast and you're maybe a little bit confused at this point, I'd encourage you to go all the way back to episode one, where I share what living scent is really all about. I share and explain each of these four habits, the S, the E, the N, and the T. I'd also encourage you to go back and listen to episode three, where I explain the first habit, which is the S, see people like Jesus. It's going to really bleed over into this one. So let's talk about eating with people like Jesus. How can you do that today? Three things. Number one, be radically inclusive. Be radically inclusive. Jesus was radically inclusive in his eating with others. If you take a look at Luke's gospel in Luke 5, Jesus is seen eating with tax collectors and sinners. In Luke 7, Jesus is eating a meal at a Pharisee's house, and this prostitute wanders in, and he welcomes her at the table. In Luke 14, Jesus is at another Pharisee's house on the Sabbath, and he encourages his host to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind to his next party, and not just invite his friends or his relatives and his rich neighbors. In Luke 19, Jesus is seen eating at the chief tax collector's house. You see, the the religious leaders of Jesus's day, they were exclusive in their eating habits. Jesus was different. He was radically inclusive, intentionally sharing meals with those who were vastly different from him. So how would you characterize your eating habits? You know, if you were to survey your table fellowship, survey all of the meals that you've had over the past week, month, year... Would you see people who look like you, people who think like you, people who vote like you, people who make about the same money as you do? I mean, what would it take for you to begin making your next meal more inclusive? When was the last time you shared a meal with someone of a different ethnicity? What about somebody with a different religious preference or different worldview? What about someone you know who has a different political belief than you do. In a book called Right Here, Right Now, Alan Hirsch offers this statement. He says, if every Christian household would regularly invite a stranger, a poor person, or a work colleague into their home for a meal just once a week, we would literally change the world. Being radically inclusive in a world that divides over differences will invite questions from others and will provide you with opportunities you've only dreamed of. That's the first way we can eat with people like Jesus. We can be radically inclusive. Here's number two. Ask really good questions. Ask really good questions. This may seem like a simple thing, but I can assure you that if you don't ask really good questions, your meal or your coffee date, whatever it is with others, it's going to feel like a really bad blind date. Okay. And Vince Vitale, who works as the director of RZIM, he once said, what's really going on in someone's life is only two to three questions deep. Just think about that for a moment. What's really going on in someone's life is only two to three questions deep. So I think one of the secrets to eating with people like Jesus is asking these types of really good connected questions. So how does this work? 
Most people are familiar with the distinction between closed-ended questions and open-ended questions. You know, a closed-ended question is a question that really closes the door on an ongoing conversation. An example would be, do you like the food? Yes. Do you like where you work? No. That sort of thing. An open-ended question is the opposite. They leave the door open to digging deeper. You know, you might say, how would you describe your favorite meal? Or what brought you to your, cur- your current job? It, you know, it, it's begging for more information and it gives you more details to work with. But I like to go one step further. So instead of thinking through closed-ended versus open-ended questions, I encourage the folks that I train to think through storytelling questions. Storytelling questions. Questions that, when asked, are begging for the other person to share a story. And here's why that's important. Think about this. Stories not only give you information, they give you insight into how a person thinks, what they believe, what their personality is like. When people share their stories, they're telling you who they are. So here are some suggestions about these kinds of storytelling questions. These are some of my favorite lead-ins to asking these types of questions. Tell me about the time when you fill in the blank. You're inviting a story. Tell me the story of how God led you from fill in the blank, where you were to where you are now. What were the conversations that you had that led you to do the things you're doing today? What was the pivotal moment for you in your life when fill in the blank? Tell me about the day you realized that God had moved you from where you were to where you're going now. What were the steps that got you from point A to point B? What are some of the things you've learned from fill in the blank, maybe your past experiences? Last one, how do you think your experience in blank has influenced blank? You know, Jesus was a conversational master. Now, not everybody listening is really wired that way. I understand that. But we can begin to take baby steps in that direction when we too ask good questions around the table. The second way to eat with people like Jesus is to ask really good questions. And finally, here's number three, open your door. Open your door. That is to say, invite people into your house to eat, to laugh, and to party. You know, we're going to talk a whole lot more about this in future episodes because hospitality, which is really what I'm getting at here, is a core practice of the N in living scent. And that N stands for neighbor people like Jesus. But more on that uh, a little later. Hospitality is just this ancient biblical tradition that is absolutely essential to living like a missionary. But for now, let's just say open your door. Open it up to your neighbors, to your friends, to your friends' friends. Open it up to everyone and watch what happens. Hugh Halter, who was once the director of Forge America, he may still be, I'm not really sure. He said, Christians should be the partyingest people in the world. I love that. I would agree. Let's be people who are not isolated, detached, or in retreat mode all the time. Instead, let's be those people who welcome, who love, and who are fully present to God and others just like Jesus. Open your door this week. So how can you eat with others like Jesus today? Be radically inclusive. Ask really good questions and open your door. 
It's so funny to me how we like to overcomplicate things in life. You know, we overcomplicate mission. We overcomplicate evangelism at times. We overcomplicate discipleship in the church. Jesus never did. His ministry strategy was so simple. Luke 7, 34. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. Let's do likewise. The show notes for this episode are available at my website, justinwester.com. Be sure to pick those up. And remember, you don't have to live sent. You get to. We'll see you next time.